Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you, Scott? Doing great. I tell you, we're going to blow Gary Smith's mind. I know. We keep flip-flopping, you know. (laughs) It's okay. It's it's okay. okay. We're, you know, the seasons are changing. Times are changing. Uh, Have you noticed that the days are getting shorter? I I mean, it's... It's been happening for like a month and a half, of course, but it's really noticeable now. Well, it always reminds me of the saying, um, let's see here, the days are long and the years are short as parents. And, uh, of course, our kids are back in school. The next grade flips. Yes. Moving into late summer, the seasons continue to evolve. They're heading into a full week back at school, aren't they? Tomorrow is a week. <sighs> yes, that's right. It'll be, it may have been two weeks by now. I'm not sure. Um, but regardless, before long, we're going to be going year round. We're going to have to bring Amanda on again. So you- <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but hey, today, though, Greg, it's yes. about the supply chain buzz right here on Supply Chain Now every Monday, twelve noon Eastern time. You're Join kidding! Us. I'm going to start tuning in for that. <laughs> Join us for a fun look at fun and an informative look at some of the latest and greatest and yeah. most important news. Uh, from really across global supply chain, across global business. So uh, today we've got a special guest. You know, we've got Mike Griswold from Gartner making his monthly appearance today as part of the buzz. He'll be joining us about 1230 or so um, to give us some of his key observations in terms of how the Delta variant, Greg, is impacting global supply chain. Yeah. Delta and now Lambda, right? Lambda coming out of Peru as well. I don't know if he's going to talk about that, but innumerable variants we will undoubtedly have right yes but you know um mike is one of our uh favorite guests across really we hear from people far and wide about his ability to cut through the noise and tell you what you should be tracking and help you understand it better and uh, so we look forward to his appearance here today um today's show greg is powered by our friends over at omnia partners where they are reshaping the future of purchasing tell us more Well, group purchasing organization, strong on group, right? I think the the key thing that we've seen be so powerful for companies, and I think really necessary, especially now, is why stand alone, right? It just seems like having the power of community is so necessary these days. And you know what? I, what I like about having having talked to Para and all of the other folks, Kevin Heath, of course, all the other folks at Omnia is it's not just about negotiating power. It's about power to influence vendors. It's about power to uh, get exposure to additional suppliers that you may not have ever heard of before. Right. And um, and also to just as as this conference that we're going to in September is to join up and share ideas with fellow members of the community as well. It's kind of like what we do here, except they don't get to get on the air as much as we do. Right. Well, right on time. Perfect segue. Greg talked about the conference we're going to be at in September down in 
uh, Miami, Florida, September 27th to 29th. It is Connections 2021. So yeah. get this, it's free to attend if you're in supply chain sourcing or purchasing, if you're a leader in those sectors. Keynotes, expos, networking, a whole lot more. They're expecting about 400-plus attendees. Wow. And we're going to be broadcasting live right there in Miami. It's going to be hard for us to find a seat, Scott. We better get there early. <laughs> no kidding. It'll be football season by then, um, which we'll save that for another discussion. But yes. <laughs> come join us at a, at a minimum. Tune in for, to the live stream. We're going to be broadcasting the buzz on that first day and then conducting interviews for the remainder of the week. You can learn more by checking out the uh, link in the show notes. And uh, we'd invite you to come join us down there in Miami. Great Great stuff put on by our friends at Omnia Partners Group. That's right. Four things to remember. Learn, network, grow, Miami. <laughs> That's right. New hashtag. New hashtag. I love that. <laughs> Speaking of events, Greg, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, big webinar coming up with our friends at Quip, talking yep. about their Omnichannel evolution on August 18th at 12 noon. Join us for that. You're not going to want to miss Imran Patel's story. Uh, link to show link to the uh, registrations in the show notes and wait, there's more uh, supply chain and procurement global awards coming up on December 8th registration, nominations, sponsorships, all open. And as we've touted quite a bit, we're uh, all nomination fees for folks that you want to nominate for these global awards are being donated to our friends at hope for justice, which are yeah. working hard to eradicate uh, slavery across the globe. So that's right. Not just hoping, acting, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was right. great. That was a great discussion. Agreed. Supplychainprocurementawards.com. They're conducted in uh, special partnership with our friends at Buyers Meeting Point and Art for Procurement. So check that out and come join us and celebrate the successes across global supply chain for sure. Okay. So, Greg, uh, let's say hello to a few folks. And yeah, you're getting on. some uh, props on your threads here. Oh, really? Yeah. How, how about they'll be the only ones I'm hearing good things about my shirts. My kids have been lighting me up for days. Have uh, they really? Yes. But you know what? That's why I do it, Greg. A little secret yes. just between you and me. I, I love to um, I love to be that uncool dad with all three of my kids. It's so much fun. So, it's so easy. It's got, right. I mean, it, it comes is. natural for me, Greg. It comes natural. Everyone. It, it's not it's not it has nothing to do with what you do. Right. <laughs> right. Just that they're your kids. Uh, that's right. Srinivas, hello. Good morning. Great to have you here. Hope you and your family are doing well there in India. Saria, Saraya, uh, great to have you here via LinkedIn, also from India. Welcome, welcome. Pedro turned uh, tuned in via LinkedIn. Hey, let us know where you're, you're dialed in from, Pedro. Oh, Azalea is back, Greg. This is one of our favorites. Azalea, talk about why beyond her years. Yeah. Love her comments from these live streams, huh? Yeah, no doubt. And uh, just remember on your panel today, everyone wants you to succeed. That's all you need to remember. That's right. Hey, good luck, Azalea. You're gonna knock you're gonna knock it out of the park, undoubtedly. Yep. So let us know how it goes. Mervin is back with us from Ireland. Mervin, hello. Great to see you. Look forward to your contributions today. Jenny Froome. Ours are getting hotter and a bit talking about the day. That's right. It's spring in South Africa. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and so, Greg, I think today in South Africa is uh, National Women's Day, I believe. Oh, is that right? And Jenny was Jenny? sharing on social. And, and, and Jenny, please drop it in the links here. 
Yeah. Uh, SAPIX has had, I think, four um, presidents, all that happened to be female. And we carefully opposition that, but they were celebrating that that uh, pedigree and and that heritage there. So, Jenny, congrats. We celebrate with you. Uh, love all your leadership, and uh, please share those uh, uh, related links in the comments today. Gary, I, I knew we'd get him with this. We did get him. I saw that right away. <laughs> Great to see you, Gary. Hey, congrats. We're just keeping you on your toes, Gary. <laughs> That's right. Uh, congrats on some re a recent round of interviews you've had, all related to that great article you published uh, a few months back. So I hope this finds you all, Gary. Vinay, Vinay, uh, Vinay, I bet, uh, via yep. LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Let us know where you're tuned in from, Vinay. Of course, Clay and Jada and Allie and Amanda are all behind the scenes making production happen here today. Appreciate all that they do. Demo is back. He is back. <laughs> Demo, tell, right. us, tell us what you've been up to down in Yeah, Demo. man. Um, Harith via LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Tell us where you're tuned in from as well. Welcome, everybody. Uh, A.A. Mohib, Professor Mohib is in the house from Wichita, Kansas. Go shocked. And finally, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Greg wasn't See? messing with me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I have, uh, as we have been gardening in the backyard, uh, it's dawned on me as I really have enjoyed all the different flowers. We're trying to attract butterflies. How boring, boring, as to quote Chris Barnes, my wardrobe is. So we've tried to, to liven it up with some uh, spring and summer. <laughs> By we, you mean you, of course, right? <laughs> the kids are not contributing to that. They're only judging. Uh, yes, that's right. That's right. I think and you got more props than that. It seems like I skipped over a few probably. Miguel Ancel. I think he had. Yeah. Yeah, Tim. That's right. That's right. Uh, and finally, hey, it's a good T-shirt though. It's old. Right. It's vintage. Right. So, hey, welcome everybody, including Kim Winter, tuned in from Dubai, uh, where he says it's always summer. It is always summer. Yes. I love that. All right. Uh, and by the way, Kim's putting out some great content via his vodcast. Uh, maybe we could drop the link in the comments with the logistics executive group. Yeah. All right. So, Greg, we've got to get to work. And hello, everybody. We've got to get to work, right? Yeah, let's do it. we got to get Mike in and out of here. I mean, our special secret guest yes. in and out of here relatively quick. So <laughs> he has got about. a tough schedule, but we got 20 minutes yeah. to tackle some news of the day. And then we're going to get to uh, Mike Griswold with Gartner about 1230. So up first, we're talking about how Vietnam is dealing with a surge in COVID-19 infections. Mm -hmm. So, Greg, Vietnam has become one of the busiest manufacturing cities in the world, especially for clothing and footwear. Uh, as the Financial Times reports here, the country is one of the few Asian economies that continued to grow and attract foreign investment uh, in 2020, despite the pandemic. A recent surge of COVID-19 has the industry there in the country reeling. Factories in Vietnam that supply uh, companies like Adidas and Nike, where they've uh, suspended production. For now, Samsung, one of the country's biggest employers, has had uh, its smartphone supply chain uh, disrupted extensively in recent months. Right. And the, the Vietnam Textile and Apparel Association says that about 30% of all the factories supporting garment and textile sectors in the country have been shut down. So while Vietnam continues to deal with uh, the, the resurgence of COVID-19, we're, we're having a kind of some, a mixed bag of news here in the States, Greg. The back-to-school scramble has begun, just like we talked about uh, last Monday as Amanda joined us. Right. We're talking about back-to-school. So 
The good news is it's not quite like last year, you know, a year ago, but we're certainly not, it's not normal back to school times either. Um, so CNBC reports that according to a new survey by First Insight, shoppers are getting a bit more anxious about going to physical stores for the back to school shopping. Some consumers are also cutting expenses in general. The Delta variant here in the U.S. may well slow down what was predicted to be a very strong back to school season. Uh, Greg Deloitte had originally projected spending to reach $32.5 billion in 2021. That would wow. have been up 16% from last year. Yeah. And other companies, Greg, as the article points to, such as Bed Bath & Beyond, say that spending will continue to be there. It just will be delayed and it'll push into September. So hmm. kind of a, a mixed bag on the front end here between Vietnam and some of the stuff we're seeing here in the States. Greg, what say you? I think that's going to be a common refrain. You know, we're, we're talking about Delta, but we have this Lambda variant coming out of Peru as well. So we'll continue to see variants coming out. And I think, you know, what we've got to figure out is how to, how to manage that. But all of that is going to impact the supply chain. We're going to talk a little bit about that with Mike when he comes on, the impact that it has had. Um, you know, Vietnam has been a key, that's been a key outlet for companies who want to get out of Xinjiang province, which mm. Nike and, and uh, H&M and Adidas have been, have been at the forefront of that, trying to do that, which I think I announced yesterday, last week that I'm now wearing Adidas again, since yep. they are out of Xinjiang province, so no longer contributing to slavery. Die mag mit der drei Speifen. That was their original marketing theme. The brand with three stripes, that's, that's German marketing at its best. Um, but, but the capacity in, in Vietnam is constrained pretty significantly, especially compared to China. And with this happening, um, it's, you know, it's going to be a struggle. There are a lot of companies moving physical production of not just soft lines like apparel and shoes, but other products and technical products out of China to Vietnam as well. So... And then, of course, back to school, which uh, Amanda let us know that you all are pretty much through this season and and um, thankful for some of the help you got from your school district, which was pretty cool. But other schools, I mean, the, a lot of schools, particularly in the north, they don't go back to school until Labor Day. Right. So this is a long season. This isn't as compact even as Christmas season in the U.S. This is a big, long peak season, and there's still a lot of of demand to come so agreed uh, you know i imagine there will be a lot of masks and hand sanitizer going to school with the kids this year again for those kids that do go back to school physically yeah agreed we're, we're certainly living living that for sure um but you know it is good um early marks uh have you know we're big raving fans of the educators out there that are finding a way to navigate through these times i mean uh, heart goes out. We've all seen the stories of, of you know, the school boards and the educators getting berated, but you know they're they're kind of stuck in a in in a rock and a hard place, right? Trying to yep. get good scientific advice from you know the powers that be, while you know making sure that our most precious treasures are ta are, are cared for. Right. Uh, so kudos to all those wonderful teachers out there doing doing great work. Um, all right. Really quick, Kelly Barner, host of Dial P for Procurement, is with us today from Boston, Massachusetts, uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you, Kelly. Looking forward to your 
hearing some of your comments here. Um, all right. So, Greg, moving from one topic yeah. to another topic, uh, the infrastructure. So looks like yeah. the U.S. Senate is going to pass and give the $1 trillion infrastructure bill to the House. Now, before um, I turn over to Greg, and, and I need to go grab my fire extinguisher perhaps before we <laughs> get Greg's take on this. Um, so it's it's been reported that this massive bill is at 27,000 pages already, and the negotiations and amendments are still taking place. Now, what's in it? I'm not sure really anybody knows specifically, except maybe the attorneys that are, that are drafting legislation. But it's the classic, we have to pass it before we can read it. Didn't we hear that from a prominent representative once? <laughs> but um, the good news is, you know, the points that most that most everyone agrees need to be addressed are this roads, bridges, broadband, Internet. So mm-hmm. I, I hope they get some uh, meaningful action to tackle the digital divide, water pipes and other public works systems. But beyond that, the jury is still out. And some of the most contentious negotiations have been on the topic, of course, how to pay for it all. So, um but again, I'll point you to good news here, Greg, before I turn it over to you. It does appear to be highly bipartisan to, yeah. to this point. Um, so so some action is going to get done. It's just it, it probably is what else is in all buried, perhaps, in the twenty seven thousand dollars, twenty seven thousand pages of legislation. But your take here, Greg. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say something's going to get done. Money will get spent. Um, and, you know, as we talked about before, there is in, an incredible amount of funding for infrastructure already in the states, and it is largely wasted um, or spent on pet projects. So hopefully part of the bill is to be more directive of these funds because a trillion dollars is a thousand billions. <laughs> okay. That is a thousand billion dollars or a million million dollars it's you know we're getting up there now where it's real money so i I think we need to put a little bit more accountability into some of these bills if they're this big certainly you, you cannot argue that we uh you cannot argue that we don't need to improve infrastructure in fact i was on uh, run this morning and I saw this enormous pothole and by enormous, I mean, as long as my leg that wasn't there on our road a week ago. So, wow. um, you know, it's crumbling and crumbling fast in various areas. At the same time, we've had a lot of, uh, of progress, but yes. yeah, certainly needed. I don't know if a trillion dollars is needed. It's so hard to gauge because the previous money was so either misspent or completely wasted, but it is certainly um, certainly topical. And we know that our infrastructure, infrastructure can be improved. Scott, we talk about it all the time. Where are truckers going to sleep? If, right. if we spent a trillion dollars on expanding, you know, roadside, um, oh my God, I totally lost, lost my th- train of thought. Well, you know, know, like, like turnouts and stuff where drivers could just sleep safely. Right. It would be well, worthwhile. As Gary says, you know, I believe the infrastructure bill will be passed when he sees it. Uh, Tim says this will be big for jobs, but it is about 10 years late. In addition, U.S. infrastructure requires updating, not just rebuilding, but updating. And then speaking of the money, Greg, 
Yeah. Uh, once the one trillion dollar legislation is passed, we'll see Gary. Um, they're moving to a three point five trillion uh, package for child care. So we'll see um, from here. But hey, uh, the good news where is where will the money come from? Let me just tell you, we'll just borrow more. <laughs> well, uh, we got to keep our action, our pulse, our finger on the pulse to your point of what action gets done, what gets completed, right? Um, so we'll see. Well, and so I mean, and let's I mean, let's just twist twist it into some perspective here, and that is right now the federal government is borrowing money at nearly zero interest rates. So if ever there was a time to to borrow, now is that time, right? That's a good point. Because you know, if if we're going to owe money to the citizens who hold a huge proportion of the bonds that and and treasury bills that that the government um issues then better to owe it at really really low interest so um all right nerfod says this is way too much for me to handle greg on the left of my screen scott on the right i can't deal with this change nerfod really have enjoyed your pictures with your family uh at the beach on social uh this week when we come Um, back with mike we'll try to flip it again just confuse everyone definitely how's that (laughs) finay scott will stay away from these beautiful shirts due to covid19 majors complete shutdown of clothing factories in vietnam that's a disruption of supply (laughs) chains great point finay um all right so uh and tim says as long as we have checks we have money right (laughs) good point tim yeah that's right all right so we got we we we're gonna move right ahead greg because we've got to talk tackle um Talk about a lot of big topics here today. So the United Nations on Monday sounded the alarm, big time alarm on the environment. So the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a report that said greenhouse gas levels in the atmosphere are currently at record levels that will ensure climate disruption for decades to come, if not centuries to come. The UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez called the report a, quote, code red for humanity. The IPCC, which is the acronym for that panel, draws on more than 14,000 scientific studies and was released about three months in advance of the UN's COP26 climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland. Now, Greg, on a related note, uh, you published, and that was a, all that was according to Reuters, you pull up, published a really neat piece today, what I'm calling them supply chain listen up POV on LinkedIn. You drop one about every every weekday morning. Um, and this has already gotten a lot of response. So give us, you know, give us a couple of fine points here. Well, I think, you know, we, we all, whenever we talk about climate change and climate responsibility, we all point at someone else. Whether you believe it's real or you don't believe it's real, whether you think something needs to be done about it or nothing can be done about it, we're all talking about somebody else. And I think the the upshot of the article that I published today was really inspired me to think about who is responsible for climate change. And it is we, the consumers, each individual and our actions are what are responsible for it. We want our product faster, cheaper, better, right? We want convenience. We want comfort. We want luxury, right? We want all of those things. Um, And we want it all. And because we want all of those things, it comes from developing economies. It comes from Indonesia and India and and China, where some have not the ability to to be more 
economically and sta- uh, sustainable, and some just simply disregard it, like in Indonesia and China. So I, I think when we recognize how much we as individuals contribute to that, um, you know, and you know, what's funny, Scott, is all this stemmed from a box about, or a, uh, an article about corrugated boxes and the recycling of corrugated boxes. And it had me thinking about all kinds of things, not, not even just sustainability, not even just climate change, but also all of the other ESG environmental, um, initiatives that, that, and, and other initiatives like someone in, in the comments of it mentioned human slavery and, um, you know, conflict minerals and all of those things. Well, why, why do all those things have to happen? Because we demand that they continue to happen by continuing to buy the goods. We vote with our wallets for unsustainable practices, for inhumane practices. And that's why we have to be very, very careful about what we buy. And, And it's worth the research. Somebody said it's a virtual impossibility in the comments. And it, it is. It's very difficult. It is very difficult, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I watched an episode of Billions, Scott, where I love twice, that. twice, um, <laughs> Chuck Rhodes said, worth it. And he was talking about devastating consequences to himself. And both times he said, worth it. It is worth it to for us to to think about and to research these companies and whether they're doing good or not. And and to vote with our wallets. Every time we every time we buy something, we either make a vote for sustainability or for selfishness. And sometimes those two can coincide, but very, very rarely. So we need to be a little bit more conscious. And, and, and you know what? It's not a huge lift. Do what you can. I targeted one company, one company that I knew I could impact, right? Because I, buy, I have a favorite sport brand, Adidas, they were, they were bad actors, frankly, performing in you know a lot of work in Xinjiang province where the Uyghurs are slaves. Um, and I chose not to to use their or buy their products for a long, long time. And and they changed not because of me, certainly not because of little old me, but because enough people made them aware by voting with their wallets, and they acted on it. Mm. So you you are just one of seven plus billion people on the planet. Just imagine if one, one millionth of the people on the planet picked, picked a cause or picked a company and targeted them with their wallets, right. every one of us collectively could have an, could have an influence on that. Excellent point made. I, lo- I love the, your sentiment in the post. I love what you just shared there. It's absolutely true. And, uh, Cherry picking a couple numbers here just to y'all have to check out the article in Supply Chain Dive. Now, to be fair, it was built, uh, it was built from the kind of the, the corrugated packaging point yeah. of view. However, it was a great article, and Greg's commentary was even better. But in the article, it says that the current recovery rate for plastics is below 10%. Wow. And falling. Yeah, and falling. That's right. 90% of corrugated boxes are recycled, is what the, the, the article states. So, but do your homework, as Greg suggests, do your homework. And uh, and you're voting whether you like it or not. Um, Gary Smith says, as Pogo used to say, we have met the enemy. And he is us. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Greg's got a T-shirtism here. He just said we vote with our wallet for sustainability or selfishness. 
Azalea says, our monetary vote we make every day should be as important to us as our presidential vote we cast every four years. In fact, I would say it's more impactful. Amen to that. Excellent point. Vinay, the daily requirement of stuff we need in our daily life has increased by several folds if we compare it to past generations. That is an excellent point. Um, you know, I think there's a font, there is a more bright line between need and desire than any of us recognize. Mm. Right. When I when I think about my original description of supply chain and how simple supply chain is, I have a tomato. You want it. I hand it to you. You give me an arrowhead. Beginning of supply chain. Right. Yes. Of cave cave dwellers. Right. I think much about survival the same way. Need is you need that tomato or you want that tomato. Yeah. Right. I think we really confuse desire and want with need a lot of times. We don't need a two car garage. Right. We don't need a three-bedroom house. Well, let me just tell you, we have some delicious tomatoes from the Monroe <laughs> Farmer's Market over the weekend. That's why we want them, because they're so delicious. <laughs> they're good. But also, that's i mean, that's much, much more sustainable, Scott. Right. That's a small, small um, organic farm, right? Right in your backyard. Agreed. So, Jenny Froome says, you're right, Greg, and a change starts with us as well. Excellent point. And one final one from Nerfad. He's going to make a shoe made of water to avoid getting trashed on by Mr. <laughs> Gregory White. Uh, as Leah, excellent point. We are less self-sufficient than our grandparents and great-grandparents. That yeah. is an excellent point. Okay. So, so much to cover. So much going on. You know, always too much for the hour we have here on The Buzz. But um, certainly – Worth the price of admission, Greg. Somehow we got through that in the allotted time, Scott. <laughs> hey, sometimes despite my best efforts, <laughs> we got to put it in a headlock and keep keep on fighting through. But there uh, you hey, go. Uh, worth the price of, of admission today here at the Buzz, uh, free, and we offer a money back guarantee. But we've got Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner, joining us. Let's bring Mike in. Hey, hey, good afternoon, Mike. How are we hey, doing? I am great, thanks. Great. Uh, it's nice to see the, this different uh, this different format with you guys. It was great. Uh, and Scott, put me down for one of those shirts. I, I, <laughs> I can never bug my kids enough either. So, yeah, that's good. I like right, that. So, so well, it's a perfectly appropriate for the golf course, Mike. <laughs> yes. Right? Well, now, getting Mike Griswold's endorsement on anything is... <laughs> is um, makes my uh, week. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to share that with Amanda and the kids. So Mike, but Hey, kidding. <laughs> this is being recorded as a matter of fact. So you've got proof. Hey, but uh, much more importantly, Mike kidding aside, great to have you back. We love your appearances here. You're able to, to cut through the nonsense and, and really, and help also explain all these, these complicating uh, developments we see across industry. So mm -hmm. great to have you back today. Thanks for having me. It's great to always enjoy spending time with you guys. Even you, right. Greg. Thanks. <laughs> Did you notice we uh, we're flip flopping and I, we're doing I'm all not, kinds of crazy new stuff? Yeah, I'm I'm just not that sharp. Uh, we're just keeping so, you on your toes, man. Yeah, keeping you on your I, toes. as long as I can see both of you, then that's uh, I'm off to a good start. That's right. And hey, Mohib says, "Good to see power, power, Mike. Mike. I like man. it." Wow. I do too. All right. So Mike, let's uh we're gonna keep your appearance today pretty simple. I mean, with uh the Delta variant um raging in different markets uh really globally, of course, naturally it's gonna be impacting uh the supply chain industry. What are some of your observations uh as it relates to to what we're seeing? 
Yeah, and I, I caught the beginning part where Greg talked about maybe yet another variant. Um, you know, I think there were some discussions if we rewind the clock 12 to 18 months. I think there were some preliminary discussions around what happens if if or when the virus mutates, because I think there were people a lot smarter than me, at least, who kind of saw the variants were going to come. I don't think anyone knew that they would kind of look like the Delta variant. And I think the challenge for organizations is we made a lot of really, really hard supply chain decisions at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, Greg, you talked about some of the challenges now in Vietnam. You know, the Far East basically shut down. You know, people on the apparel industry mm-hmm. in particular, you know, they 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 cut orders. They they told factories don't make anything. Even when factories could reopen, they were reopening with limited people. And I think people still have those kind of thoughts and those types of actions that they took in their back of their mind. And now the question is, are we going to have to go through that again? And I think the supply chains for a lot of organizations just kind of got their feet under them over the last probably three to four months, um, you know, a little bit more recognizable demand signal, right? We've talked about that um, for a couple of months, right? The unpredictability, the demand signal and the havoc that that created um, during the height of COVID. I think people kind of started to get their feet under them. The demand signal looked a little bit more normal. The supply flow started to be a little bit more normal. And now all of a sudden we've got this Delta variant. And I think people are worried you know, do I need to make those same decisions again? Are the parts of the world that affected me, are they going to affect me again two or three months from now? And I think Mm. trying to balance all of that in an environment where people, Greg, you talked about, and I think you said it very well from a sustainability perspective, people can vote with their wallets around that. I think people are voting with their careers now around (laughs) the work environment. And what I mean by that is we have some research that suggests about 40 to 45 percent of of the respondents in a survey that we conducted said if they have to go back to the office, they're going to find a new job. I mean, that that was remarkable that people are, are voting to say, hey, we can do the job remotely. We like doing it remotely. We can be successful. If you make us come back into the office, we're going to go find someplace else. And I think that's, if I think about the traditional things we worry about, the supply chain, right? Greg, you talked about it, demand and supply. I think we still need to work about, we, we still need to worry about that for sure. But I've got, what I think I have my eye most on is what are some of the working conditions that people are going to, in, um, put in place in their organizations around their associates because there's a lot of people who are looking to those decisions and they will make career choices based on that. And if we have people, I don't want to say jumping ship, but if we have people bouncing around, I mean, that's not good. If you think about us in the Gartner world, right? And I know the analyst world, I, I joke with clients all the time, the analyst world that I live in doesn't always reflect real life. But if you think about the real life world, people, you know, changing jobs and having to learn new skills, that doesn't happen overnight, right? If I'm a demand planner for a consumer products company and I now I all of a sudden decide I want to be a demand planner in a high tech company, right. some of that is transferable, but not all of it. So right. that to me is what I'm most 
interested slash concerned to see what happens is how are organizations going to bring people back to work now that we've got this new variant? Yeah. Go ahead, Scott. uh, I I was just going to say a quick blurb. You know, we've seen a, um, some across the board policies be put in place when it comes to the vaccinations and, and, but no real massive consensus yet. Um, We've also seen when it comes to, you know, just when it comes to masks and, and uh, the ability of, of different uh, agencies, municipalities, you name it, to just even put in place a mask mandate. You know, lots of things are navigating through our courts now. So if from a just a, um, a landscape point of view, um, there's not been one central um, policy we can point to to benchmark. And, and then I would just add to this kind of this current survey, you know, uh, and Greg, we've talked about this before. I think we talked about it with Jenny Freeman the other day. Um, there's not been that that single beacon of truth when it comes to uh, even some of the scientific reporting, which has been uh, it, it, it's tough for business leaders. But Greg, what else would you add? Well, I mean, I think we're going to continue to see disruption, not not I mean, in the supply chain itself, but also in the workplace. Uh, I mean, I think um, Google. Uh, not Facebook yet, but Google and Apple have been met with a virtual mutiny in trying to force their employees back to the office, right? Uh, Ironically, I think. Um, But I I think there are so many options open to candidates out there. You know, they're calling it the great resignation. I think a lot of people have taken stock of their lives and they've taken stock of their career and they've taken stock of what is reasonable and sensible to ask. And there are so many jobs that could just as easily be done. Not all jobs, by the way, but there are so many jobs that could just as easily and maybe more effectively be done at home from a home office and at a much lower cost for a lot of these companies. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, some of it comes down to and we saw people talking about this you know, comes down to tradition or micromanaging or control or things like that, but or frankly, trust of your employees. And, uh, you know, and I think about really effective organizations like Gartner, where ev- virtually everyone wor- works remote and, right. and always has, right? I think about so many companies that I've been a part of where, you know, I worked effectively remote, either from home or from the road. And, a few days in the office here and there. And then we tie it back to the sustainability effect. Think about how how much impact that could have on carbon emissions if people are staying home three to five days a week rather than driving. The average commute in, in Atlanta, for instance, is 34 miles. 34 miles that take about 62 <laughs> minutes to, to traverse. Good day. On a good right. <laughs> right. And and that is I mean, think of the carbon emissions tied to an idling vehicle, an, a vehicle that is argu- arguably going 20, 30 miles an hour the whole time. Mm. So, you know, there are a lot of impacts to think about here, not the least of which is employee satisfaction. And it isn't that the point. Mm. Yeah, Greg, I I. There's a couple of things um, that that I will always kind of picture in my mind. One is the 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 map of air traffic 
pre- before September 11th and then on yes. September 11th when there was no air traffic. Right. I have another visual that showed um, one of the, and I can't remember exactly which cities, but they showed kind of a before COVID, the the atmosphere quality, and they showed like six weeks into COVID to your point where no one was going anywhere. And just the clarity of the scenery, the clarity of the sky was just remarkable by yep. not having all those those people on the road. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was Kelly put a comment in there, you know, and Scott, you you teed up around the vaccine. Yep. You know, we're, we're, we've got some major debates here in just little old Idaho where we've got some companies that have mandated vaccines uh, for their employees. You know, I saw a note, CNN fired three reporters who were not vaccinated um, and tried to come into the office. You know, if you let people work from home, that vaccine requirement becomes, I think, less of a requirement, frankly, mm-hmm. and more of a personal choice. Um, you know, and and I know this show is designed really to talk about supply chain from the standpoint of you know moving boxes effectively, right? Your, your Apple and Arrow example, um, Greg. But I think if we're not careful, we're not going to have anybody in these positions to move right. the apple and the arrow. So yeah. to, to me, I think it is a really important discussion around how organizations are going to go to market with their supply chain teams and how far do you want to push some of these things like you have to be in the office or you have to be vaccinated. Yeah, I'm not going to turn this into a vaccination discussion, but I think it is a question supply chain teams, supply chain managers have to ask themselves is, am I willing to, am I willing to risk losing people for some of these types of decisions? Um, because we are, I think, as a supply chain, Greg, you said it very well, people have options. Right. I, mean, I can't go anywhere. Literally, I cannot go anywhere and and not see a help wanted sign. And yeah. this is, you know, $16, $18, $20 an hour. I was waiting, uh, driving back from the doctor's office, and there's um, a warehouse um, that's looking for cleaning crew that's going to start cleaning a warehouse $20 an hour. It's like, okay. Wow. Yeah. You need a side hustle, man. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's um, pay for a lot of golf. It, yeah. it would. It would. Yeah. So let me share. Uh, Mike talked about Kelly's comment. I yeah. want to read that for anyone that might be listening to the replay. Kelly says, as much as they want employees to come back to the office, companies may find that allowing qualified people to work from home is better than navigating the HR minefield that is vaccine mandates. Excellent point. Agreed as, completely. Uh, yeah, Gary does as well. Now, Charles, you know, and and, and uh, we welcome the discussion and the mm-hmm. debate, and because there's lots of smart people on all sides of this this crazy time we live in. Charles says local businesses though are negatively impacted by work from home. Vinay, I wonder if he means retail businesses. Yeah, um, from that standpoint, I can tell you that the Ace Hardware store near my house has been getting a whole lot more yeah. business because it's a few minutes from my house and then all the small restaurants around that rather than driving so far, or even being Scott, as we were in the past in Atlanta at the studio in Atlanta. Right. 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 Giving all of our money to station side, which was <laughs> money well spent Man, in my well opinion. Spent. I still <laughs> miss those empanadas, but, oh, but and the hamburger. Um, yes. Right. Um, but, 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 you know, it, 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 it is a shift. Right. And I, I, I wonder, 
if it's a universally negative impact or, or, or not. Yep. So Vinay talks about, hey, shutting down for a longer, more permanent time is not a sustainable option. Right. Uh, Ramon says, what is going to happen to, to, to traditional supply chains once people start working from home more permanently? More disruptions due to shift in demand signals and consumption behavior. A big challenge, but difficult to be influenced. That's a good point there. Um, all right. But my pick, picking back up here um, and, and thinking about this kind of the bigger picture, the overall impact of, of the latest curveball here in the Delta variant, anything else come to mind? Um, well, I, I think the other thing that comes to mind, and I'll – I'll just base it based on my my inquiry volume and some of that of my colleagues is there is still an appetite to spend money and there's still an appetite for technology. I think when we look at at companies that have, you know, emerged or emerging through this in a little bit of a little bit better shape than when they started. One of the common denominators is they continue to spend pragmatically on IT. And I think it's it's very easy, you know, during the first wave of COVID, I think it's very easy during this time we're in now with the Delta variant for people to, again, want to kind of close the checkbook and, and close the purse and say, hey, we're not going to spend any money. But I do think it's important for some of the reasons that some of the, the, the participants have cited around, hey, we're going to need some technology to help us understand the demand signal better. We might need some technology in terms of automation if we can't get people to come to work, right? You know, we've seen a significant uptick with our analysts, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with, Dwight Klapich. Yeah. Um, Dwight is taking you know more calls than he can handle around automating warehouses. Uh, everyone yeah. is now, I think, wrestling with, you know, if you look at a more traditional warehouse, that workforce was aging to begin with. Right. Uh, it's it's not a, if anyone has spent any time picking in a warehouse, it is not a job for ever. And it, and there's a certain point in time where physically it just becomes a job that's probably not for you. And I think that's part of the reason that that Dwight is seeing such an in, an uptick in the in the robotics inquiries is you know people don't necessarily want to do that work anymore. Maybe people can't do that work anymore. Uh, and we've got some volume issues that we're trying to work through. So I think, Scott, it's kind of a long answer to a, a really sh good short question. But I think the technology and spending technology dollars is definitely something that we're seeing people continue to do. Excellent point. And in fact, Dominic Leo likes your point. And Dominic's with uh, Fourflow, I believe. He says it'll be interesting to see if that change management that Mike mentioned mm. will be considered as part of the equation in ROI for automation projects. You were just touched on that, Lawrence. Hey, Lawrence, appreciate the feedback and appreciate your service. Uh, if that's you, uh, Army, uh, looking forward to kind of hearing your thoughts on supply chain. Talk about where it all started in our in our military, right? Now, For sure. Changing gears, Charles, going back to that clarification, Greg, uh, with mm. diners, and of mm. course, the restaurant and services industry yes. has been decimated, right? I've been doing my part. I just want, uh, you can count on me, Charles, <laughs> to do my part. Yeah. You know, and that, that, that's really, I know we're, I know we're, we're kind of tongue in cheek there, but it's, it is so important. I, I read an article over the weekend, a couple of them now, from a couple of different sources about how, um, Consumers are almost worse now in terms of their behavior at restaurants and in, in stores. Now is the mm. time to be very empathetic consumers because these 
these companies are fighting for their their survival and fighting for the ability to pay their own bills. So yeah, um, quick yes. you know there. Yeah, Scott, that's a great point. I mean, we just came back from vacation. We went to uh, South Dakota, and the number of restaurants that had not only help wanted signs, but also, you know, if I if I paraphrase, kind of the be patient with a sign because we don't have a lot of people <laughs> right when you walk in. And mm-hmm. I, it's, it's a great call out, Scott. The people that are showing up regardless of the job, the people that are showing up every day, you know, the, the stress level that they're under because not everybody is showing up every day or there just aren't enough people to show up every day. Right. We need to keep that in mind. And that could be, you know, the, the server that in your favorite restaurant, that could be the cashier who's trying to get you through whatever store you're in. You know, she may be on a 10 hour shift because someone else never showed up or she may be the only one that's a cashier because they can't fill cashier jobs. So, right. It's as always, Scott. You point out a really a good observation around. We just need to be nicer to each other, um, especially the people that that we're you know in their businesses. I cannot agree with you more. But yeah, uh, Greg, what else would you add to that, Greg? Uh, I think well, I think there's relief on the way. Twenty five states have opted withdrawn from the p- pandemic unemployment mm-hmm. assistance, which is which is what has kept people staying away in droves from from the workforce. The uptick in in jobs in the economy far outweighs the need uh i mean far outweighs outweighs anyway where there are plenty of jobs don't try to say it smart just say it right there are plenty of open jobs out there and more and more coming every day and scott and and mike you both know this even before covid there were two million open jobs out of 44 million supply chain professionals, there were 2.2 million open jobs. And that was in 2019. And we were expecting that amount to continue to increase. So um, there are plenty of places to go to work. And I think relief is on the horizon. I like how you think from your lips, the good Lord's ears, I believe. Um, (laughs) Mohib says a good thing. The economy is moving though, because even though odd jobs or entry-level job positions are hard to fill, uh, he doesn't mind bagging his own groceries now. And as Leah agrees with that, Kelly has the question of the day, perhaps. Mike Griswold, South Dakota, are you at Sturgis? Kelly's a biker, so the, the answer matters here, Mike. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. So we, we had a fantastic time, um, and we would definitely go back. We will, we will not go back during bike week. So – I was fortunate in that the, the the Sturgis officially didn't kick off until Friday, and we were heading we were heading back on Friday. Wow! But we already saw you know I don't know a thousand bikes. I don't, I don't know what the number is. Um, we drove um, through literally through Sturgis just so I so I could say I've been to Sturgis. We didn't stop, um, but it it is a spectacle to say the least. Yeah. Yes. And there's not much to see of Sturgis unless it is right during yes. Sturgis. Yes. Sturgis. Uh, yep. so. As Leah says, I'm wondering what, what education is going to play into all of this. Excellent point. Gary said he's getting lots of pl- uh, practice uh, bagging groceries, which was his first job. I, my, Canned my goods job. on the bottom. <laughs> right. Bread on the top. 
Victor loves all the way. We all like the way uh, Greg thinks Victor adds. Do you really? Um, I appreciate that, Victor. I really do. I'm not sure everybody does or should. <laughs> uh, well, you know, so over the weekend, uh, one final question for you, Mike. I know you're on a tight schedule. You know, um, in this era of toilet paper and computer chips and all the other disruption we're seeing, over the weekend, McDonald's was reported to be running low on it's standard paper bags that you put your Big Mac in. And one of the reasons why is because even if folks are eating inside at McDonald's, they don't want the tray. They want it in the bag. And it really hmm. stopped, me, you know, stopped me for a minute because that's wow. one of the, ba- I mean, it's like, it's like one of the basic, it's like having pa- plastic bags at grocery right. stores. You know, right. It's just, it's always there. You assume it's always going to be there, but it's just one of the latest curveballs in this, in this era we're living through. Any commentary on that, Mike? Yeah, I think it's, you know, when we think back to to COVID, one of the things that a lot of people did was was really look at their supply base and their suppliers and, and think about trying to diversify, maybe bring things, you know, back um, closer to home and, and, and not maybe as far as, as far away as it may have been pre-pandemic. And I think, you know, people were also looking at suppliers from kind of a bill of materials perspective. You know, what used to be maybe a low priority supplier because they were, you know, an insignificant, in plentiful times, an insignificant part of your bill of materials. Well, all of a sudden with COVID and maybe that particular component, they're now, you know, they need to be a high priority supplier because if you don't have that chip and that car's got to sit on these on the line right. waiting for the chip, right? Um, so I think, you know, people really need to, to revisit their supplier kind of program and, and segmentation and classification. I also think, though, there are certain things um, that we will probably just never get right. I mean, I, I think it's hard to it would have been hard to envision a world where someone doesn't want their tray anymore. And all of the gazillion people, almost as many people that are in that infrastructure bill, right, go to McDonald's. So to envisioning right. that all of them want a paper bag, you know, you just you just don't think of those things. So. Part of what we've talked about in our time together over the last several months is, is is responsiveness. So McDonald's sees this. How quickly can they react and recover to that? Yeah, that's what's going to separate folks over the next six to eight months. It's hey, you will not think of everything, but how quickly can you respond to something that you didn't think of? That to me is is the key to a really really good supply chain. Well said. I couldn't have yes. said it better. And, and and Greg arguably could not have said it better. Uh, <laughs> Ask <laughs> Victor. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, I know you, you've got a tight schedule. I really appreciate yeah. your appearance here today. Uh, Greg, I'll give you a last comment before we uh, bid Mike adieu. Well, two things. One, outliers and exceptions will always happen is, is effectively what Mike is saying. And that is true. If we focus on the core things that we can predict, and can control and can effectively and rapidly respond to even in the face of disruption, then all we have to spend time on is around those exceptions and outliers. And the other is Ford Motor Company. Talk about a bright spot. Ford Motor Company is prioritizing chips in cars that are ordered, custom ordered by customers. Brilliant move. They're encouraging their customers to order the vehicle that they want and they are applying the shortage of chips, the the few chips that are available to those vehicles rather than randomly dropping them on docks and and lots everywhere. Love that. 
that which is old is new again. Remember when your grandparents ordered that 77 Buick with pink interior and a orange faux convertible top, right? Well, that would go with Scott's shirt. So that, yeah. that would be a good <laughs> Perfect for the golf course, uh, yeah, Mike. Exactly. Well said. Uh, so huge thanks, uh, Mike. Wish yeah, thank your you, family and, and the whole Gardner family uh, all the best. We love your thank commentary you. here today. And we look forward to seeing you next month. So we've been talking to Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Take care, Mike. Be safe. One of the best. One of the best. Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, for sure. Man, nailed it today, too. Mohib says, I hope restaurants don't start asking regular or paper plates. Hey, I'm with you, man. Uh, and Charles, I appreciate your comment here. I uh, love the perspectives. You know, it, it is about that perspective and POV exchange, we can still do that in a respectful manner, regardless of how tough the topic and and uh, evolving that the topic is. Uh, but we love your comments and, and perspective you bring no doubt. to the skyboxes. Okay, so Greg, we're at 12.57. I want to wrap. I, mean, I missed something a few weeks ago, my friend. Oh, no. I missed something. Now, I um I still you know I, I like a I'm I'm a hard copy person we've we've shifted a lot of that uh, trying to do our part but I still get the Wall Street Journal on Saturday Saturdays just that Saturday edition right I can't afford <laughs> the full bloat edition but I really like it it's very eclectic in its coverage and as I found out over the weekend in one of my late uh, maybe two weeks ago Ron Popeil passed away yes now Ron I, I missed that in all the digital uh, news universe. I missed that. And, you know, we talk about set it, forget it, of course, all the time, but you know, I, I had the opportunity to kind of dive into his, his story more. Um, at, once I found out, I started doing some more digging and, you know, not only was he, uh, I think self-described one of the, the best sales people of all time, you know, everyone knows him for the pitch, but Greg, I didn't realize he invented a lot of, what he was pitching. Yeah. You, oh, yeah. Offenses. The pocket fisherman. That is Ron Popeil at his best. The chopomatic, the buttoneer, the bedazzler. And of course. Really? Yeah. I did not know that was a Popeil thing. Yes. Showtime. That continues to live on. That is a truly does. timeless invention. Showtime rotisserie is one where it was the infamous rotisserie where you put a whole chicken in there and time and time again, you set it and forget it. And it's, it's become... You know, it's part of the of of our vernacular. That and but wait, there's more. That, That's that right, was Ron Papil. As if that isn't enough, and gosh, don't you think it ought to be <laughs> right? So I wanted to wrap today. I, I've got this great quote um, in, uh, in in kind of getting a better appreciation for Ron Papil's background because he was really a um, pulled him up, you know, self built individual is who Ron Papil was. And and he's a pioneer. You know, the infomercial. He he was the king of infomercials. He yeah. developed that new format back in the eighties and nineties, long before Amazon, long before you could even Google what you're looking for, right? Back um, when you had to wait four to six weeks for delivery. Right. <laughs> That's right. So um Robert Thompson was quoted uh back in nineteen ninety seven as he was talking about Ron Popeil. This is probably the closer to the height, uh the height of uh of Papil's popularity. He says, this is, quote, this is the ultimate late 20th century guy. What Henry Ford was to industrial strength and genius, Ron Papil is to the next generation of American ingenuity. He's figured out, get this, he's figured out 
the very complex negotiations that go on between what American culture produces and how we consume it. Hmm. People 100 years from now are going to be writing dissertations on him, end quote. Wow. How about that? Um, so are you going to do you have a Ron Popeil episode on on this week in business history? If you don't, <laughs> we're going to we're going to uh, good on you. Yeah. Preface what we dropped today with a quick mention of some of uh, uh, about Ron Popeil and and uh, he passed away on July 28th at the age of 86 at home in peace with his family surrounding, I believe, out in California. So um, so on that note, I tell you. Greg White, all the wonderful folks in the skyboxes, Mike Griswold, and then we finish, of course, with uh, a, a legend in the, the in business history. But Greg, give me that one thing. If folks didn't, they ignore and don't remember anything else that was said here today, regardless who said it. What is the one thing that you would encourage them to take away? You are in control of the supply chain. We, the consumer, are the beginning and the end of the supply chain. And if we want anything to change in supply chain, it comes through us. That's empowering. And it, and yet it's daunting at the same time. But you can take your little slice of influence and apply it to an area for which you have passion or interest or desire or obsession or compulsion. And you can impact the supply chain individually. I love that. And it's so it's so very true. So, folks, get out there. You're going to be voting with your income, you're voting with your wallet, voting with your decisions you make. Listen to Greg. Uh, make those smart decisions. Do your homework. All right. You never know um, what you may be supporting or not supporting. Mm-hmm. But what great advice here. So, big thanks to, of course, everyone behind the scenes Jada, Amanda, Clay, Allie, you name it. Big thanks to Mike Griswold with Gartner for joining us today. Big thanks to all of y'all in the skyboxes and the cheap seats, so to speak, for coming out and bringing your commentary. Greg, thanks for your time here today. And folks, most importantly, listen to Greg, number one. But most importantly, hey, do good, give forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.